Welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Joy Treadway. I'm here to help you navigate nuanced conversations and explore topics that demand your attention and awareness. There is no topic off limits here. Together, we will seek to find the middle path, explore the polarities of darkness and light, left and right, grace and grit. As a writer, life coach, and seasoned yogi, I'm in the business of awareness and conscious action. I'm here to create space for the conversations that need to be had in order to create solutions that bridge the divide between humans. Sensemaking will use practical, logical, philosophical, and spiritual tools to help us gain well-rounded perspectives on issues that strike a chord. Let's get started. Another Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Carla Joy Treadway, and I have with me today my friend Kate Punnett. Kate, welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> Kate and I are members of some of the same freedom communities and money-making communities, um, and we've connected a lot about what's happened in Canada the last few years. We've connected on motherhood, and the reason I wanted to bring Kate on today is there's a lot of interest in leaving the system these days a lot of interest in taking our kids out of school or maybe just curiosity around what does that even look like could i even homeschool that sounds like a a stressful messy scenario i'm not a teacher how do i do it i get a lot of these questions in my dm so kate is someone that's been doing this for about a decade and i brought her on to tell you not only what it's like but mainly the joys so she's here to talk to you all about the rhythm of homeschooling and why it's been so fantastic for her and her family kate is there anything else i should add to that no that's great that's great. I love I love um, how you advertise it too so strongly about the joy because you know in the past couple of years it's it's become a little uh, denser. The reason why I'm homeschooling with what's happening p- politically, um, it's it feels a little more raw and stronger and fiery um, than before. I I would never have called myself like I homeschool for political reasons, and now I've it's on the top of the list. Um, so yeah, it's interesting how it's shifted in culture, the idea of schooling, homeschooling, but also in myself as, you know, a mother and a homeschooling mom. So you didn't initially take this path because you were scared or angry. It was for totally different reasons. Yeah. So when my kids, I I did go to teacher's college. Um, I have a teaching degree and right off the bat started working in alternative schools, um, especially Waldorf schools is my main training. Um, I worked in the public system on and off uh, before I had my kids. And as soon as I had my kids, I just knew I would homeschool them. Um, I I don't know, I had worked in the system not too long, but just long enough to know that I thought I could do better. And that, I mean, when I say I thought I could do better, it's not like I could teach them more. It was like I could really speak to their heart of what they needed. Um, I could see them as individuals in my family and respect the rhythm of who they are growing up um, Mm -hmm. way more than a system could. Um, So, yeah. So when my kids started growing up, um, you know, we never did the daycare thing. We lived on one income, which is really, really tough, um, especially living in a big city. Um, we sacrificed a lot in order for us to have this lifestyle. Um, and my children, you know, we saw the kids going to daycare. We saw the mothers having a really hard time going back on off of maternity leave and kind of handing their kids over these were not transitions that we were part of at all. We were at home creating a rhythm that was unique to our own family. Um, And I think that the rhythm of the family really is the creative force behind family culture. Mm. And what I mean by that is that we have culture and we have, you know, the culture of the school and the system and the neighborhood and the city and and your extended family, but you have your own sacred 
um, when you close the door, we all know what it feels like to have our own family culture. And for me, it became more and more evident that not having to check in outside of our family with any kind of system, anyone that had um, control over my children, um, for me, not having to call in sick to work, all of these things, um, to really just be me and the kids and my husband working to support this culture that we were creating was just so, it was just so unique and amazing and healing for me because, you know, I think I struggled when I was young going to school. I really wanted to be with my mom. <laughs> I had a lot of bullying when I was young. Um, I experienced as, you know, a different, unique artistic thinker. I, I was very different than a lot of my classmates. Um, and I got to heal that part of me too. And, um, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's so beautiful. I mean, you were tugging at my heartstrings there when you were saying, uh, when you're watching the other parents send their kids off to school and, and instead they're like, there's no changes in your home. So like for us, our, our daughters are 10 and 13 now, and we live in Ontario and in Ontario, kids go to school really early. There's full-time junior kindergarten. So that's four. And when I was a kid, you know, we had half day kindergarten, half day kindergarten. So that wasn't until we were five. And then even then it was only half day. And I didn't want that for my kids. So my kids are in school. But when they were little, we skipped junior kindergarten altogether. Mm -hmm. I put her in a playgroup, I think twice a week. Each playgroup was like three hours and I bawled my eyes out when I dropped them off. We took my oldest out of out of kindergarten for the whole year and traveled, Nicaragua, traveled to Nicaragua as a family. And that's always just been the best decisions we've ever made was just more time at home especially when they were little. And I get that there's many families that just, they need two incomes. They absolutely need two incomes. But there's a lot of families that don't need to go back for $30,000 a year or whatever that, you know, like the, I always think that like, are you making that much money or do you love your job that much that it's worth sending your kids away that early and some people just love their jobs no shame there some people love their jobs and love their work so i get that but i i definitely see this like cultural veil that says this is what you're supposed to do you're supposed to send them to school and you're supposed to send them as soon as they say that it's time i.e four years old and there actually is no supposed to is there it's whatever is right for you and your family yeah. And that's so hard. I mean, the messaging, you know, the feminist messaging for so long has been for women to go back into the workforce. I mean, it's, if you dig down deep into that idea that, you know, there's half the workforce that is staying at home with their children, it's pretty unproductive for the overall, you know, GDP of our country. So um, you know, I, I have never trusted that messaging myself because it, it never made sense to me. Um I had a career a bit as a scientist before, and, you know, I could have easily gone back to the workforce and worked in, in my field and, and we could have had a much bigger house than we have. <laughs> we have a very tiny house. Um, but my, my, the messaging from my children, which was to be with them was stronger than anything else. Um, but that was me. I mean, I always find this conversation awkward because, you know, there's a lot of, women who wish they could homeschool. I mean, especially now it's a whole other thing because when you have your entire life set up for two incomes, you just can't stop it. It's mm. just not that easy. So for, for, for parents that want something different, it can feel like you're really stuck. Um, you have to get rid of a lot or change a lot in your family to do it. Um, you know, but this whole conversation that I have with women, or I try to speak about, I'm on eggshells around about, um, where I don't want to put down the woman who wants to go back to work. I find it an interesting thing because I feel like I, I am kind of the minority is the one who wanted to stay home. Um, but I don't want to insult the majority that want to go to work. 
So, you know, it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing because obviously I love all every mother I love and I know everyone's doing their best and we all have our focus and we have our interests and we know uh, in terms of our mental health um, and the ecology of who we are, what's best. And some, some women do not identify as, as a mother or a homemaker and they need the other to be fulfilled. And that's just as relevant, you know? Um, totally. I mean, I, I'm that person. I, yeah, I, you are. I don't homeschool. I, I kept them out of the early years cause I wanted more time with them, but then like kindergarten came and I was like, bye. Cause I, I love work. I love following my passions. Um, I'm very lucky to have a job that I really, really love. Um, but also I didn't think certain things about the school system back then. <laughs> now I'm starting to feel like I'm in a different place where I have offered it to my kids. Like anytime you want to come home, you can come home and we will figure it out. I will figure it out. Yeah. I, it's funny because I also relate to that because I really love doing my own thing. I love working. I love, um, all the things I do outside of being a mother and my, you know, my kid's teacher. So I, I always find myself not to be a typical, what you think of as a homeschool mom, you know, like I'm not, I'm not very organized. Um, I'm not very patient. Um, I need a lot of time to myself. Um, I need a lot of creative time. I'm very sensitive. <laughs> uh, I don't pre-plan. And all of these kinds of things that, you know, when women are like, you know, this is the typical, you go to the park and you see the, you see the mom, you know, with her older children. Oh, they're not in school. Oh, you must be so patient. No, mm. no, I'm not, I'm not very patient. Oh, you must, oh, you must be really organized. No, I'm not, I'm not too organized, you know? So all these kind of roadblocks that we put, you know, just thinking about identifying who we are as women, you know? I, I wouldn't say that I'm a classic, someone that you would say, like, you'll be perfect at homeschooling. But for me, the pull to be with my kids and creating this atmosphere, sphere of the family, I don't know, I just, I clung on to it. You know, the attachment theory with my kids that, you know, they, the first six, seven, eight years, this idea that they are better when you're their North Star. And when mm -hmm. you're attached to them, I just never really gave up on it. I wasn't mm -hmm. like, okay, attachment theory. It was good for this long. Now I'm going to have someone else be your North star. Um, it just never came naturally to me that, so it's kind of a split thing, right? I can completely understand this idea of loving work. Um, while also kind of a struggle, I guess, in a way, because I, I, I never really wanted to hand my kids over to somebody else. So. Well, and what do people go to therapy for as adults? Always <laughs> yeah. their mom and their dad and stuff that happened to them as kids. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. I was trying to think of like my own hesitations back in the day. And that would have been like, well, you're terrible at math, Carla. You're yeah. terrible at math. You could teach language arts. Yeah, you're not organized. You're not this or that. And I'm just reflecting now on all the things I learned in like elementary geography and politics and math. And I'm like, I couldn't even, I don't think I remember anything I was taught back then. The only things I've ever actually known and remembered is stuff that I have taken on as an adult because I was genuinely interested in it. I still don't know how to do math. The, like school didn't help me there. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I, I often say that school really um, congratulates the well-rounded student. Um, it really, you do really well. Like for me, I, I, I watered myself down to, you know, my school experience was watering myself down so that I was kind of good at everything. Mm -hmm. um, and then I didn't have time to develop my passion um, until I was an adult and I was just left alone finally from everyone and everything. Um, I mean, I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> um, so that's another kind of um, value or, or principle of why I homeschool is I really, I'm really embrace the idea that my children, it's okay if they are really good at something and if they're passionate about something um, and it's totally okay if they're not good at something else. I still 
want to give them some background in, in things, you know, I'm still like, not all my kids are into math, but I still, I push math. One thing I really push with them. Okay. But otherwise, I mean, I just figured out what language arts is. <laughs> my kids are 13 this whole time. I'm like, what's language arts? And you buy curriculum. Like if you go to Indigo or like, I don't know, Costco, and you see these language art books, I'm always opening them up. And I'm like, what actually is language arts? And it's, it's like grammar and all this kind of stuff. And it wasn't until this year that I realized, oh, language arts is like mostly for me teaching your kids how to be good writers. So I'm like, okay, I can do that. You know, mm -hmm. like forget this whole idea of language arts, scrap that and all these kind of moral lessons that's in all these passages. I'm sure you've seen it if your kids have brought home, like read this thing and then, you know, and it's all political or tainted or nuanced. Um, anyway, so now I'm like, okay, I can do language arts because my kids need to be good writers and they're 13 and they're starting to write. So I didn't even really do language arts yet. So, well, and that's genius. You were just looking, you're going straight to what's the goal? What's the goal here? Well, the goal is to be able to be a good writer. Okay. How do I do that? Yeah, exactly. So in every sub, every subject is like that. And unfortunately the subjects are all separated and not interconnected. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a whole other thing, you know, the, the individualism of, you know, things and the, how they're split apart um, as an artistic thinker and someone who's dyslexic as well. That was always really confusing to me why things were not more jumbled together as they are, as we know in the world. So um, what I'm hearing too is that you're really trying to tie in the learnings into real life into how is this usable information because sometimes what's taught in school isn't always directly usable like why why wasn't all our math why why didn't math gear around doing our taxes and budgeting totally totally you would actually use why was i forced to do calculus yeah we spent like six months basically teaching the multiplication table so they would know that like up to as high as they could go by heart. Cause I'm like, that's one of the main things that helps me in math. Yeah. So like we, we literally did like nothing else, but that, and their ability to do mental math, my children's ability to do mental math is high level. Like I can't even believe it. I can't do math as well as them. Wow. So yeah, they teach math in really funny ways now too. That doesn't really make sense. Yeah. And then there's the whole reading thing. Um, you know, speaking of like the rhythm of the family and being home with your kids and being your mom's, you, you know, being the teacher and the mother, you have to deal with, um, and another roadblock women have is I can't be my kid's teacher because we have this personality that wouldn't work, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, my son in particular would was not going to learn to read because he also has dyslexia um and you know i researched phonics whole language all these kinds of things and it wasn't going to happen so i just started doing some deep reading about learning to read and found some brilliant um people that are like just don't teach them they'll learn just like they they learn to speak um it's controversial of course but i was like i'm going to do this because my son is not like this is going to be a constant battle between us and this is not my goal. And uh, I was actually, it was right at the beginning of the pandemic, he learned to read and um, he just picked up a novel and he was 11. He picked up a novel that I was reading to him too slow. And he read like 20 novels back to back constantly, just read, wow. read, read. And I was like, yes. <laughs> God. Tasha Fishman told me the same thing. She teaches unschooling. Yeah, and that's the philosophy, you don't force them to do anything and they will do it on their own, which takes so much self-trust. Oh my gosh, so yes. Intuitive to everything that we've <laughs> ever been told. Oh yeah. And it, it, like, I was starting to worry, like I was starting and I had people who loved my son, you know, starting to be like, maybe you should, <laughs> you know, maybe it's getting a bit on there and your theories might not work in this case. And then when he did that, I mean, I told everyone, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> but I was so proud of him because he 
I, so I had a student once in, in a little school I was teaching. She was in grade six, a so similar age. And she just, and she was kind of my inspiration because she described to me when she learned to read, which was just a couple months before. And she was old enough to take the bus on her own in the city. And she was on the bus. And she said, one day I was on the bus and I could read a sign. And I realized I could read that sign and that sign and that sign. And it all clicked. And the whole world just went whoosh into her, you know, and and her brain just went, you know, Mm. and he got to have that. Like he got that experience with an older mind, you know, he, he, he learned to learn Mm. and the energy that he got from that, I think you know, he hasn't described it to me, but I just know it was really powerful for him. Like super, the self-esteem, the self-worth, he would have struggled with, with, you know, this whole idea that if you're not reading by grade four, then you're going to be left behind, which we all know is just because they have to, at grade four, they have to change the way that they're, they're teaching. So they need the 30 kids to be able to read the worksheet or the passage or the instructions, right? They can't have everyone at different, you can't have a system with everyone interpreting the directions differently like it's just going to fall apart right yeah so um Mm -hmm. I mean I I look back on my own education and I've only recently been diagnosed with ADHD and I've always wondered why was school so hard for me and I did well but I remember having to work four times as hard as everyone else and the way that I got through school is I have I have a photographic memory So I would read things multiple times. I'd read and read and read, and then I'd go and write the test and I could actually see that page. So even when I wrote notes, I'd write them really neatly because I could literally see this flash of that page I'd written in my brain. But of course that's too much information to hold, right? So I could hold it long enough to write the test. Ask me a basic math concept now, I'm struggling. (laughs) I I have no idea. So I don't even know if it was real learning. I did the exact same thing in university. Totally. Me too. It's only now that I'm an adult and choosing to do things and learning, learning how to learn really. And working with people that are like, I make programs now and I, and I latch onto people that fill in my own brain gaps, right? Like, okay, I know that I am very creative and I can pull in a million ideas but I struggle with like logic and structure. So I'm going to pull in the person that's good at that to help ground me down. But anyways, I'm rambling a little bit. No, no. I think that's really interesting about learning and, and, and it comes back to this idea of being well-rounded or being really good at something. I remember when I was in university, I, my degrees in food science. So I was studying some like Krebs cycle or enzymatic browning cycle or something. And I, I remember calling my dad crying being like, when I work at the food company, you know, how am I going to like, remember this? And he's like, you'll just know to look it up. (laughs) I was like, what? Like, it was so weird for me that I didn't have to retain every single thing, like that. I just needed, like, maybe I was just learning to be resourceful and that it existed. And then I could, you know, I could either be good at that, or I could pull it from, I could hire that person, or I could pull it out of this book. Like it's a whole other way. When I was a kid, like for a long time, that's university. I thought I had to retain all this information to be a successful adult. Like it was pressure. Mm-hmm. I you always know? think about that when I'm at the doctor and it's only been the last couple of years that I've noticed where you ask the doctor a question and then they go to the computer and they Google it. I'm like I could have Googled that. I could have Googled that. You're not allowed to Google it though. Then you get <laughs> shamed. So, <laughs> but if they Google it, it's a different, different, Uh, database, I guess. (laughs) So I want to circle back to something you said in the beginning that really surprised me, actually, you said that you taught in a Waldorf school, like you didn't teach at like a underfunded, crappy public school somewhere. Yeah, I did. Yeah, no, actually, it's, it's interesting. So when I decided to go and get my teaching degree, I was either going to get a, a Waldorf teaching degree, which is an alternative system built in a whole other way of, of looking at children and pedagogy and, um, all of that. Um, but I really wanted to work in the public system because I wanted to create change from the inside out. That was my 
So you didn't teach you at know. the Waldorf school. You brought Waldorf teachings into the public school. Well, so what happened was I started supplying at uh, those schools that you mentioned, you know, underfunded schools. Um, I was living in another big city at the time, and that's where all the supply jobs were coming. So um, I started to get special education qualifications because I realized I really liked to work at these schools in classes where children had IEPs. Mm -hmm. um, if any, you know, the IEP takes you outside of the curriculum and gets you to work uh, with the student in an individual way. So for me, I was like, that's how I want to work. I, I like forget the curriculum. What does, how can I make it work for this kid? Um, and then I just burned out really fast, like really, really fast. And, um, I started volunteering at a Waldorf school and one thing led to another and I became a, like a main lesson class teacher there full time. Mm. And, um, since then I, I teach, I've been teaching, um, in the school board here, um, on and off. I'm a supply teacher and I also teach in, uh, Waldorf schools and, and teach Waldorf programming as well. Okay. So I've seen both, um, mm. both environments. Yeah. So even at Waldorf, you were thinking, no, that I can do better at home still. That's what like gave me yes. my little, uh -huh. mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of who I am as a teacher is shaped by um, Waldorf education. Um, mm. I really love the way um, that type of education looks at the child and really treats children as children. I love, um, a lot of it just resonates to my own personal ideals of, you know, creating a culture in your family, having a steady, you know, a steady you know, mothering impulse in the home, creating festivals, like out of nothing, basically, just so you have the rhythm of the seasons on your dinner table, you know, on your fire hearth in, in, in the songs you sing, um, in the way you um, gift each other things, you know, it's just a beautiful, it's just, it's just who, you know, it wasn't like I had to take from it. It just who, who I am. So teaching in that system works really well, but I'm not a really big fan of dogma. Um, and with every institution, you know, it's very hard or every, every kind of system, it's very hard to sign yourself fully up for it. So that's just who I am. So I'm a little, you know, I'm kind of rebellious like that. And it's like, well, it's good up until this. So my kids do a lot of Waldorf programming, but um, it, it's not a full-time thing for them. What kind of dogma were you seeing? Um, <sighs> That's tricky. <laughs> if I talk about Waldorf dogma, it could get, I could go on and on. And I feel, I think there's, I think it's your, I think Waldorf education is Eurocentric. Um, and there's a lot of, um, I'm really love my kids teaching where they're at. I don't really love them learning, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, another culture. So it's not very connected often. It's, it's, if it's done well, it's very connected to community, but sometimes it's not, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, community means something different now over the past two years, but, um, there's, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to get into it. That could be, if you ever want to talk about dogma in <laughs> all the education systems, but it's tricky for me. I feel, I feel kind of like, I feel like I can't find the words for it because um, all of my mentors are Waldorf teachers. And I really love, I, 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 I love this as an alternative for families. And right now, any education system that values the family unit like mm -hmm. as strongly as, you know, this system, I just don't want to talk negatively about, I just, yeah, no, I, I understand it. So is it more like when you say dogma too, just the idea that like something has to be a certain way? Yeah. Like what I mean is like you use a block crown when you're in kindergarten, you're not allowed to use like a pencil crown. You don't get your pencil crown until you're in grade two. Um, and there's, there's reasons for this that are very, like very interesting and very spiritual. You get so into it. And then all of a sudden be like, no, you're not allowed to use a wax crayon. And it's just like, oh no, it's just, I'm not going to go there. My kids are way too in this world. Like if they want a pencil crown, they're, they're going to get one. It's just it is, no matter what age. I have my own kids and they can, they can kill a deer and skin it and prepare dinner. 
(laughs) (laughs) There you go. You're set. (laughs) But I mean, dogma in the, in the, you know, dogma in the government sponsored education system. I mean, we all know what's going on there and you've been working really hard in that. I super appreciate, we connect, appreciate you for that. We've connected so much about what's going on in the school system. Like it's so fast what's happening and the chaos for these kids and parents waking up to this idea that maybe it's not this idea of like social emotional learning and maybe it's not the best thing. Um, and I'm just, I'm like, boy, I'm glad we haven't, we're, we don't have to leave that system. I'm glad we've created our own at home. Um, and I really love speaking with other mothers and about how, you know, you can do it. Like you, it's, you have all these roadblocks in front of you. The financial thing is always the hardest, but all mm-hmm. these ideas of who you are, um, not being the right person or your kids not being the right match. I mean, they're just roadblocks like anything else. So that's a, that's an interesting point when you, when you said that the the mother and the child might not mesh well, and that was me, me and my oldest, like really clash. And when we were locked up for a year in Ontario, uh, she would not let me explain anything to her. And then is the place to go in that scenario, me offloading her onto someone else? Will you handle her? Or is it actually more important that I notice that and work on that relationship? How do I remedy that? And maybe I can't, I don't know. I but- don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, outsourcing is, is great. Like some, I do it myself. Like I'm not home with my kids all the time. We like outsourcing is a term in the homeschool community where we're, you know, you know, there you go. There's your math. You know, Mm -hmm. you can, we like a lot of the mothers and I, um, in our community, we will find a space, rent a space, find a teacher, hire that teacher, get a group of kids, charge everyone the amount for the space and the teacher. And then there, there's your math twice a week type of thing. So, um, I mean, there's so many creative ways you can do this, right? This was before the pods Mm -hmm. became popular. Um, but yeah, I mean, the struggle with kids and trying to teach them things, I got that with one of mine. It's really hard. But I love that you don't, you're not doing it all on your own. Some oh, of the no. time they're actually just doing work on their own and you're in the garden, you're making dinner They're Here's your worksheets. Let me know if you have questions. And then other times you're collaborating with other mothers and other kids. And then sometimes also paying other teachers to come in. Totally. It's it. There's so it's so varied. The my kids' days are so varied. You know, they're going to. You know, we sleep in. We don't get up. We see everyone walk to school, um, and we're still in our jammies. Even if we're up, my kids sleep in and they stay up late. They've always been like that as kids. We never had to deal with like trying to shove them into bed at seven thirty because we just let them stay up. You know. Um, and they sleep in and I have my time in the morning. Um, and then, you know, maybe one has a class somewhere, maybe my husband stays home so I can go supply teach so that I can pay for that class. Um, maybe I'm selling some flowers that day to pay for that. class. Mm-hmm. Um, and we eat together and we're, you know, we're just always together and I wouldn't have it any other way. So you love it because you get to spend more time, quality time with your children. You get to adapt curriculum for their individual needs and the ways in which they like to learn um, and that they get to be at home. So very much in flow with the seasons, with the holidays. What are your um, what do your kids think about it? So, yeah, I think. um my kids have never really asked to go to school until the pandemic. Um, my older son is very charismatic and social, very artistic. Um, and you know, as we're talking about what our week looks like, you can see that we were never homeschooling in isolation. It was always about community. Mm. And when all the lockdowns happened, school kids were not allowed to mix with other kids. So all of a sudden our children were, you know, not only because of our medical choices, which, you know, there goes 
a bunch of people. <laughs> but then also there goes the rules against, you know, they they're in this kind of pod or this cohort. And um we just lost our community. So, you know, we never homeschooled without community and then all of a sudden it just went. So my son really started wanting more. And so we're, we're working at creating it for him. Um, we now have a program that uh, some parents and I started and it's going to grow and hopefully turn into some kind of high school um, for them, an alternative high school. Um, he's 13. So in the next, hopefully by next September, um, really what, I guess they just, my daughters love it. They love being home. They love being with me. They, my daughter, my one daughter just bakes all the time. Like, I don't know what she'd do at school because unless she had a commercial kitchen, <laughs> she's there all the time. So I don't know when they're older, I guess we'll find out. I always used to joke that it's kind of a big experiment, right? Like I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, I had this experience. I don't know where it's coming in me. I have no idea. You know, I, I, when I grew up, like I thought I would get a job and have my kids and they go to school and I'd marry the guy. And like, I don't know why, when I held my babies, I was like, I'm not, you're, you, no one else is going to have the authority over you. Like, it just was like, boom, I'm your authority. I'm going to like make this work. And just it's just starting to wane a little bit more as they become teenagers for sure and I see what they need yeah yeah if they ever ask to go to public school as they well, get my that's my one son yeah he was asking because he saw he saw kind of our system fall apart but even you know when the schools were let back in even though children were masked and whatnot they were still able to be in those groups Mm -hmm. Um, so he kind of thought that would be a solution. It's not really an option for me. So, but I'm not going to, um, deny him of what he really wants. So, so we're just making it up. <laughs> yeah. We're creating yeah, so, it for him. So this has been easier than, than you thought it just, you found the rhythm and flow as you went on did it feel like that in the beginning when you first started but you've been doing it since they were little little I so. did it since they were babies so I mean I, whenever they've gone to a program where I've had to pack them a lunch I'm like I don't know I don't know how do you do it like I I I just can't make them a lunch and they don't if they go somewhere and they have a lunch they don't eat it like they don't even understand that kind of you sit there and we've even tried to get like the lunch bag and then like I had to figure out that people put the lunch bag in the school bag and take the lunch bag out. <laughs> and so, and then all these really high-end boxes you guys all buy that are all stainless steel and heavy. Yeah, I have those. <laughs> yeah. So I was like researching it. And I guess all these mom groups, they're like so into which one is the best and which one's leak proof. And they don't want to eat anything that's been like sitting in a bag for two hours. They think that's just super weird. So then they come, they come home with like all the food and I I just I, I look at kids in the morning and I'm like you know and these are all my harder days when I'm like I just want to break right because I've been with my kids every day basically for 13 years and I'm looking out the window and I'm like all these kids are walking to school with all they need for the day in their backpack like that's so weird to me like you have all the food you need to live in in a bag like I don't know it's just kind of weird but <laughs> So, I mean, what, what are those hard days? Is it that you're tired of each other? Is it you're running out of ideas? What, what is that like? I think that I'm not doing enough. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel guilt around that a lot of, I get a lot of DMS about that. Um, since I started, um, talking more about homeschooling, a lot of people understand this mom guilt of not teaching your kids a lot. Um, for me, the guilt is wrapped in because I really want my kids to struggle a little bit. I don't want every day to just be like, whatever. It's just the way I do things. I want them to learn to knit, knit even though they don't really want to. I, I push a few, I do push a few things. I'm not totally an unschooler. Um, so I struggle with that, like when to push, when not to push. And sometimes it's lonely, you know, it's, it's lonely to be you know, my neighborhood has gone through so much change 
that you can't really afford to be a stay-at-home mom and have a house in this neighborhood, right? You need two incomes to live where I live, um, basically, unless you have something other set up. Um, we bought a teardown house and DIY'd it up to being a little cottage. So we made it work in an alternative way. But I think I'm the only stay-at-home mom in my neighborhood. Mm. So there's a lot of, you know, I just don't want to drive and meet that other mom. I just want to like, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, yeah, sometimes I see, I, sometimes I see the, the moms all walking their kids home from school or actually what it really is, is the moms dropping their kids off and then going home. And they just got this look in their eyes. They're just like, oh, I got the day to myself, like my kids off. And I just like, I like, I have, I've looked at them many over the years and I'm like, some days when I just want that day to myself, I'm like, oh God, yeah. <laughs> I want to just say, I don't care what, what's going on. Even if it, it's against all my values and all my instinct and everything, like I just want a day to myself where mm-hmm. I think or pretend that you're being taken care of on a soul level. Right. And, but I can't, I can't, it's just, it's not in me. I think just mom guilt is unavoidable. Yeah. It's just another way of being guilty as a mom, like for the same reasons you're guilty of like dropping them off. If you are some days, I mean, I, you know, like after summer, I'm like, woohoo, they're back to school. I have all this time. And then I'm like, oh, I feel bad. I miss them. (laughs) (laughs) Or they bring home something like totally terrible. And you're like, oh God, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Like I've been doing a lot of digging into the Canadian school systems. And to be honest, I'm not, I haven't done, I haven't gone super deep. I have found the odd thing here and there, but nothing as scary as what we're seeing in the United States. But like you said, things move quickly and whatever the U S does, Canada's going to follow. So I have definitely found the odd bit of concerning material and I think it's just important if people aren't ready to take their kids out to actually get involved, then they have to have conversations with their teachers. They have to talk to principals. They have to ask to see the curriculum. We're back. That was so weird. What What happened? Where'd you go? I started talking about the school system and the computer. Like, like, no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Well, it gave me time to think too, you know, like it is, it's great to transition to the conversation around what you can do if, if you're just not homeschooling, because it's not everyone's people might hear me talk about it and be like, that's not me, you know, (laughs) but I've got the same, you know, I think everyone wants to have a, a joyous family culture that goes to the rhythm of um, you know, who their kids are and who they are and whatnot. Um, and we can, we can get that outside of the system too, but you do have a roadblock. You have something kind of in your way. You have an authority over part of your family, um, constantly in your home, like invited into your house. Um, and if you can advocate and work in it, work with that, you know, I know some, (laughs) I know some (laughs) women that do that so well, like they're so fiercely working on that. Um, But now more than ever, it's a job. Like it's something that needs to be done. That's right. Um, I mean, I'm not jumping ship yet. I have already told my kids if they want to, they're home. I'm just in like the digging stage. I'm in the curious stage. I'm in the, if anything got worse at the school, that's it. That's it. We're done. Um, But also when we were locked up together for a year, I did get a glimpse into the school system and they didn't actually do all that much. I know it's so true. I think, I think that's part of the, I think that's partly one of the reasons behind this idea that women who are, you know, mothers who are homeschooling have this mom guilt attached to not doing enough. Cause I think it's almost like we know that there's not as much to do, but we have no point of reference. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's just, I mean, I also think it's interesting. I've talked to people who are like, oh, 
Now I really couldn't homeschool because I homeschooled for a year when my kid was, you know, virtual school being homeschool. And I'm like, that's not homeschool. Like you opened up something every day and you had someone else in charge of your family, the way your family day went. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was your experience. Was that what you were doing? Virtual schooling? Yeah, we, we were doing virtual schooling. Pardon me. Um, there were teachers that did very little. There were teachers that did a whole lot, but there wasn't, yeah, there wasn't too much going on and it wasn't for very much of the day. And maybe it's because they were just panicking last minute because it wasn't something that was planned. I, I don't really know. Here's where my like conspiracy brain goes as well. Just after experiencing how authoritarian things have been the last two years, do you ever <laughs> worry that they will somehow ban homeschooling? I don't know how you even could. Do you ever worry about that? No, because I just leave and go somewhere you could. Yeah. I mean, um, it's just not even, it's kind of like the other stuff that they tried to force or change. Like I would just go through hell to, I would even go through more hell. Like we all know, you know, I always assumed we had the right to inform consent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I guess I just assumed it. And then I was like, oh, you're not giving it to me then. Well, then I really assume I have the right to inform consent. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, luckily for me, I had, um, this whole time, my stepmother, um, has homeschooled all her seven kids and now partly homeschools her grandchildren, And she was my rock through this. And, um, you know, the past 13 years with my kids, like she's the one I called and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm not doing enough. And I had that support in my life almost every day if I wanted to, um, which I think is really important. If you're um, thinking about homeschooling, you really need a community. You really need support in your life. Um, but it made me think of her because she lived in the States when her kids were young and she moved from state to state as they played around with regulations for homeschooling. Um, she would just leave, she would just Mm -hmm. leave and go somewhere else. So, um, I need to remind people listening to that teachers in the public school are grappling with those same questions every single day. I can't do this. How do I do this? Oh, I know. And it's, it's all, I'm, I'm always, you know, it's so important to say that it's not the teacher's fault. It's like, Mm-hmm. it's not, it was not ever about a teacher, like people being a teacher is people, some people's identities, like it's, it's not mine and I'm a teacher and I'm a homeschool teacher, but it is. And it's really important. And it's important for me to not mess with that. I'm talking about, um, government sponsored curriculum and, um, I'm talking about the way the government tells me my kids' brains work at different ages. Um, and what they put on my kids to know at certain times and, and at what level, I mean, you were saying you don't look into the curriculum. Like I can say, they don't say in grade seven and eight curriculum, when they talk about, um, media literacy, they don't specifically say misinformation, Mm -hmm. but I've been in classrooms where that is the interpretation by the teacher or whatnot. So um, you know, kids are learning about that in the classroom, even though it's not explicitly on the website. Well, what is media literacy? Okay. Well, now we need to teach them a trusted source. And so what is a trusted source? And if you yourself as a teacher think a trusted source is the WHO, then that's what you're going to teach your kids, the kids. Right. So, and I, and yeah, anyway, I said, don't blame the teachers. And then I was like, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm not because I, I don't think it's their fault in a way, most often it's not nefarious by the teacher. I think it's just the system. Um, and they're just doing what they've been told is right. And I know some teachers that especially the past two years have really stuck up for these kids and, um, kind of what's infiltrating the school systems. Um, here's the, I think here's the difference too. I think if someone is a teacher who really values their role, as a teacher, they're going to do a good job. The problem is when teachers become activists. Yeah. When a teacher becomes an activist, that's when they're trying to push an agenda or an ideology or teach kids what to think instead of how to think. That's how you differentiate between a good teacher and someone you need to worry about. Yeah. 
I think, yeah, it's, it's mixed up for me because I taught my kids a lot of community-based education. So a lot of like citizenship based um, stuff. That was our main way of, of learning was out in the community, you know, getting petition signs or lower the streets, you know, the street speed or building community gardens or getting grants from the city to grow pollinator boxes. Like this is what we've done. But then it got warped slowly being a good citizen has become like really manipulated and mm-hmm. as a form of, of behavior control. Um, and so I had to kind of backpedal off of this idea. Like I was actually going to offer uh, community-based education courses this September. And I realized the people signing up for it, I, I didn't know how I was going to do it in the right way because I was going to have to work with certain counselors and certain political things. And I was like, this is a mess now. I can't even touch this citizenship stuff anymore. Like you couldn't be neutral. In I that. can't be neutral. I cannot not bring my bias. I mean, and that's what it is. What is being a good citizen? Like, yeah, I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were to leave people with to anyone that really wants to do it, but is worried about it, um, what, what would you tell them? Like, what, what would you tell them to mitigate those fears in terms of switching to home? I would just, um, I would just realize that there is a, there's a big process of de-schooling that has to happen. Um, and it's never really, it's not going to happen quickly. So Mm -hmm. if you feel the impulse in your intuition, in your attachment to your children, that, um, I would just motivate you to act on it, um, and to work through the roadblocks, um, of actually physically financially being able to do it. Um, and just know that the process of de-schooling is full of grief. It can Mm -hmm. be really hard. Um, and to just know that it might not feel right. It might, you have all these things that we've talked about in this, you know, conversation. Um, but our instincts are our authority, you know, and we are our children's mothers. And I just, I would not ignore that from the layering upon layering upon layering of what the system and what our childhood and being in the system and growing up in the system has taught us, which is like that we still have to go to school, that they need to go to school to go to university, that um, they need to be well-rounded. They need to understand the stuff at a certain time. I might be a bad teacher. All of these things just like, it's just garbage. It's just not true, but Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of unpacking to just really be like, okay. Um, You know, and that's for the parent that I think I've often, I have people DM me and be like, I'm on the fence, I'm on the fence. And I often think, um, I often say that I feel like our children chose us as mothers. Like there's no doubt my children didn't pick me as their mom. And if they're telling me, or if there's some experience that we're having, that's not right. Then I need to get in there and fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, because they chose me to do that. So I might not believe in myself, you know, but I can do like, that impulse is is strong enough and important enough to listen to and to move on because it's the connection you have you're picking it up you know from culture and from your your children there's a reason why it exists you're not just like it's not like we're all reading the newspaper being like homeschool your kids like no one's saying that Mm -hmm. there's a reason why you're wondering so follow up on that reasoning um and think outside the box you know, there's a lot of moms who are still able to work and homeschool with outsourcing ideas um, and community. So community, self-trust. Yeah. And just letting like your own unique rhythm guide this process. Totally. Just, and just even your communication with your children. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I think my kids tell me things without saying it, you know? Mm -hmm. is trusting that your relationship with your children is so important and I think there's a as they get older I see the wedge that's put in there of not trusting you know even that relationship and I would just say like go back to that constantly go back to that no matter how old they are 
connect back to that. Do not let anything wedge in between. And even if it doesn't make sense, like, well, why would they be pulled out of school at 14? Like, there's a reason, you know? Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for this conversation. Um, I mean, you make it sound totally doable, to be honest. And even just the idea that, yeah, you're not, you're not alone. You still have free time. I see it in your postings too. You know, you still tend to your garden and you have this creative business on the side and you're still there. You still have time. You're just finding your own rhythm. Totally. I think that, yeah, exactly. I wish that I, it's funny. Our kids are the same age. It's too bad. We just couldn't homeschool together. Mm -hmm. It'd be pretty dynamic. (laughs) All of us. Oh my God. (laughs) Can you imagine that kind of homeschooling community? If we all got together, we lived close enough. Wow. Um, All our kids would be activists. (laughs) (laughs) This is the problem, right? I don't know. I mean, what is bias at this point? I mean, the thing that saved us. So our bias. I'm here for it. So if anyone wants to, um, if they want to ask you questions or, or find you, where can they, where can they go? Yeah. So, um, I have my Instagram Hestia domestic. Um, and I have, um, I started some coaching. Um, I have some coaching opportunities on there. If you want to, um, you need some support if you're on the fence. Um, if you just need to go through the process, I I've been there, I'm living it. Um, you know, some days I've been through the process. So, um, I'd love to work with you. I'd love to hear from you. And I also have a newsletter, uh, for things that I'm going to be creating down the line. So, uh, you can get that all on my Instagram. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kate. Yeah. Thanks. It was great to chat. You. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. I want to round out today's conversation by reminding you that it's important to hear all sides. Currently, I'm talking to a lot of homeschoolers, unschoolers, teachers who are currently in the public school system, as well as teachers who have left. I think it's really important to stay curious and stay open, and of course, always be in the conversation. It doesn't do anyone um, any good. I'm losing my words there. It doesn't do anyone any good to hide parts of the story. And I do currently have some concerns about public schooling. I hope you left this conversation feeling like maybe there is another possibility. I'm not saying anyone needs to go this way. I just want you to see possibility all around you at all times. People like Kate come into the Sovereign. The Sovereign is my membership series where I gather elevated people just like you who want to create something and move forward in this wild world. Because there's no doubt about it, this world is crazy and it's not going to get any less crazy. In this membership, we help you thrive in times of chaos And we do this by creating systems, structures, and community all around us. We do this through faith, conscious action, and focus. We see that there's a lot of darkness out in there in the world, and we're meeting it with a light that is so much brighter. In your membership series, you'll gain an elevated community of forward-thinking individuals You'll get healthier, stronger, and learn how to be pain-free, pharmaceutical-free, hospital-free in my online wellness studio. You'll get excited again about creative projects, building businesses, and making money, no matter the global climate. You'll get group coaching support that will make you unmanipulatable, unfuckable with, and uncancelable. And last but not least you'll learn essential sovereign skills for life. The sovereign is normally $44 a month for thousands of dollars of materials and group coaching. But if you get in now before October 31st, you can lock in early bird pricing at only half that. That's only 22 bucks a month and keep that price for life as we build our community 
bring in more resources and experts, and build you up to be the lion that we know you already are. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please give us a like, a follow, share us to your Instagram stories. If you tag us, we'll make sure to put you in our stories as well. This is how we build our freedom family. I just want to end by just saying how much I appreciate you guys, your DMs, your emails, your podcast suggestions. Thank you so much for supporting me as I build this platform as one other stage where we can simply tell the truth. I'll see you guys next time.